Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Here you go. Mike has handed me an object. Mm-hmm. An object that I have wanted to see in person for a long time. It's the theme system journal. It's the theme system journal. So, ooh, yeah. What what Gray has in his hands right now is currently available at cortexmerch.com. <laughs> and it is the reason that we created Cortex Brand. So, I think this idea has been in the works for about a year. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say the reason I'm going to say about a year is because I remember you and I first discussed the idea of we should we should make a theme system notebook. And of course, if you're going to make a theme system notebook, you know when yeah. you should sell it? November. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted it for this January. January just comes. So six months ago. Right. Six, but that's right. It was six, yeah. six months ago because we'd had the idea sort of six months ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then... We're like, this seems possible. Right. How long could it possibly take to get... As we, I, so <laughs> people may have heard mention on the show like only two months. It's just two months away. Two months away. Right. This is a little joke that me and Gray have had between each other for, for a while because of the theme system journal. Mm-hmm. It always has felt like it's only two months away. Yeah. Basically, one of the differences with this product compared to the other stuff that we've been doing is we've been make, we've made it ourselves. Yeah. Like we've found companies to work with and, and we've had it produced where the other look, the clothing items that we've had, we've been working with our wonderful friends at Cotton Bureau who are fulfilling this for us. They're our mm-hmm. fulfillment partner, but they've also been our manufacturing partner mm-hmm. where this time we wanted to go out and do it on our own and have I've learned a little bit about the trials and tribulations of having something made. It's very, very difficult. And yes. I want to talk a little bit about that because I think that there's some interesting stuff in there. But I think we should actually talk a little bit about what the theme system is. This is a journaling system, a very light journaling system that we have created and adapted based upon my journal, the way that you journal, and the things that we've been talking about on this show for the last couple of years. It's broken down into three distinct sections. You have a yearly themes section. We've got like four pages where you can write down some themes. These could be one theme or two themes. We, we left it open. Um, and they could be like your themes for the year, your themes for six months. The book itself is big enough for 90 days of journaling Mm -hmm. so it can either take you a quarter or it could take you longer if you didn't journal every day but it's it's for somebody to journal every day for 90 days it's for one season so one season the journal page is this is the big meat of it when we were thinking about how could we make something like this what we looked at is the way that we both journal Mm -hmm. and the similarities between those two things is not the prompts it's the fact that there are distinct sections yeah. that are important to us. So instead of creating like a system which is based around my good, bad, think, look forward mm-hmm. system, it is just five boxes. So there's four kind of like things where you'd write a bunch of stuff in and then one little data box. Like for me, that's where I put the pens that I'm using. And then I will use the other sections to write in a bunch of stuff. So the idea being, you pick the things that you want to be tracking and writing about every day, and then you write about them every day, and then you can change them. Like I actually, I was thinking a couple of days ago that I think I'm going to change the like, what am I thinking Mm -hmm. section to what am I proud of? 
because I found that I wasn't mm. really writing like too much about what I'm thinking. Like, oh, what's on your mind today? It wasn't really what I wanted to be tracking, especially because my journal's so focused on work a lot of the time mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, what, what, what am I proud of? What did I achieve today? I think might be a nicer thing for me to record. So this is part of it, right? Like we didn't want to create a system that is enforcing questions on you as a user. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like looking at the journal right now, which is gorgeous and feels great. How, how would I describe this texture? Leatherette. Leatherette. It's, it's like a fake leather feeling. It's embossing. It's a debossed. De- yeah, sorry. It's the sorry. debossed brain de-bossed, logo. Debossed, yeah. Because well, so emboss comes out, debossed no, goes in. I know, I know. <laughs> Which is a great <laughs> sentence. Uh, but yeah, so like I'm looking at this, this beautiful black cover with this debossed brain logo on the front of the journal. And it is it is so nice. But yeah, we, we like, we sent back a bunch of, revisions and ideas for how should the internal papers be set up mm-hmm. and so and so yeah like when we, when we were thinking about a journaling system there is this question about how much do how much do you want to enforce the structure and enforce an idea of how it should be used and i think what was interesting is we were we were both like when we were looking at the designs we we're trying to think about well what's the thing that both of us would get use out of even though we're going to use it in different ways. And so, yeah, like the, the bulk of the journal, like you're talking about has on, on each of these pages, like a big section with the dot grid to write on. And then like three smaller sections with dot grids. And, and I feel like this is, this is like the lightest touch yep. of structure. Of yep. here, here's a page and you have four, and I would say four and a half, a very tiny one mm-hmm. at the top, like yeah, it's very, it's, sections. It's, we call it like the data box. Right. These four sections that you can decide what you want to do with them. And and so like you would like to write down, you know, you're thinking of doing like what you're proud of. And mm-hmm. if I'm journaling uh, the thing, which I always describe as annoyingly effective is like, what are you grateful for mm-hmm. questions? Like that's the kind of thing where, oh, I could put that in the top box and then use the middle box for something else. So uh, like, God, it looks really good in person. But I'm like, so excited about it. I'm very excited about this. But yeah, we spent a lot of time trying to think about like, what is the, like, the minimum useful level of structure yep. when we don't know how people are going to use this no, journal. Because I find myself turned off by a lot of the pre-printed journaling systems that exist because a lot of the time they're asking questions that I don't care about. Mm-hmm. So then I have to kind of fit myself to this idea where instead we were looking way more to give kind of like a canvas to people to track mm-hmm. their thing. Because the thing that is the most important is the idea of having a theme. Mm-hmm. And then the theme, which goes first in the book, should then be informing how you're tracking yourself on a daily basis. And there's, there is one other section, which is daily themes. Mm-hmm which is the things that I ask my, I had these questions I ask myself every day, right? Where I will write down and be like, how am I doing along these things? And you may remember a while ago, I changed from doing a numbered score to coloring in a box. Right. That was because of the, the, the pre-printed layout that we came up with here, where we have a bunch of circles and the circle has a very faint line printed through it. So you could just write a number in it if you wanted to. You could tick it off as a checkbox or you could color it in. And I also thought when we were designing this, this could also just be a daily task list. Yeah. Yeah. So at, at the at the back of the journal, you have like 
seven rows where there's a box where you could like again it's it's open you can write whatever you want and then adjacent to it is a bunch of circles which can represent each of the individual days and yeah when you when you came up with the idea of like the very light line down the middle of the circle i t- like i i'm absolutely in love with that because it again it's like that really light suggestion of structure you can totally yep. ignore that if you want or it allows you to have two things that you can record mm-hmm. related to whatever is in on the box on the left and however you want to use it by putting what you want to track in the boxes on the left is like is up to you so I guess the other the other thing that's worth mentioning on this is this is very much a version one product. So we have made a very small number of these because we're kind of considering this version of the notebook like a beta for the system. Yeah. yeah. Because there are no instructions in it mm-hmm. at all. There is nothing that explains what a theme is. Yeah. The only people that should buy this notebook <laughs> are people that listen to this show <laughs> and believe in having themes yeah and then from there we want to get feedback from the people that do buy it and do use it and see what they like and what they don't like because then that will be something that we change for going forward Mm -hmm. like everything is very much up in the air about this Mm -hmm. as of today we are selling this notebook in a couple of days i'm still not even sure of how much to charge for it (laughs) yes right like there is so this is very much like a we're taking a chance on this because it's something that we believe in and we think could be really useful because it's like this way of journaling has been such a big difference for both of us Yeah, that we think that it it is possible for other people to get good use out of it, but we just have decided to make a notebook for it ourselves. So like I would say the paper's fantastic Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't have it any other way. I I was going to say, if you want to make a really nice notebook... You work with Mike. Because here's the the thing, right? I Mm -hmm. cannot say here is a notebook that I have made Mm -hmm. and it's the paper's bad Mm -hmm. because I am the pen guy. The design is slim Mm -hmm. ish. It's 90 days worth. I actually don't know off the top of my head how many pages are in it, but it's a lot of pages. Something that's really important to me is it's a soft cover and it lays flat. You can lay that book mm-hmm. flat at any point mm-hmm. because it has this really cool pro- like uh, spine system in it, which is like these, it's the way it's all sewn together. Mm-hmm. We learned uh, it's really hard to make things. Yeah. We were rejected by multiple companies to make this notebook mm-hmm. for reasons I never really <laughs> got. Just like, no, we don't want it. It's like, but I want to give you money. Right. But it was very interesting to like to go through this process. I mean, let alone trying to conceptualize the visual design of this. I it was like I knew what I wanted, but I had no idea where to start. Mm-hmm. And like working on all of that was crazy. And so we ended up for the actual manufacturer of the thing because we were really struggling. Um, we worked with our friends Tom and Dan, who run a great company called Studio Neat. Mm-hmm. Because they were creating a notebook, which looks very much like this one, called the Tote Book. Mm-hmm. So the first edition of the Theme System Journal is basically a bigger version of a notebook that they're making called the Tote Book. Mm-hmm. Which is, if you like the look of this but don't want a journaling system, you just want a notebook, you should get Tote Books. Mm-hmm. I use the product called Pano Book as well, which is amazing, which is like a long uh, notebook which is meant to sit under a keyboard mm-hmm. between you and a keyboard. It's wonderful. But the Tote Book was great. They sent me it and I was like... This is what I this is what I want. Mm-hmm. 
So we've been working with them, and you know, they've effectively we've had two layers of middle people. <laughs> so it's been me, and then Tom and Dan, yeah. and they are contacting because these were made in China, and then because I found out products like this, this we were turned down by multiple American companies. American companies would not take this. Hmm. I don't know why. I, I bet it's the fussiness of the manufacturer. It might be. We had to go for some very particular printing processes and assembly processes because I wanted it done in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. And I think that was where we started to find problems. They say no one would really tell me mm-hmm. why. They just wouldn't do it. Yeah, well, like the debossing, I know we discussed, it's like a special process Especially to, to get because it, to get it, it so it doesn't deep. come through on the other side yeah so this is like on the cover of this, this is de- i keep touching this debossing it's wonderful. i keep touching the debossing because it's amazing and the brain logo is beautiful but it is very deep and it is remarkable that it doesn't come through on the other side yeah and i know like, like that that ended tom up tom and dan have so made hard. many products they were flabbergasted but it's like i don't understand <laughs> how they're doing this but like so and then there's been other things like I, I don't know if I should tell this story, but I want to. Okay. About the prototype. Yeah. Okay. Go now. Go for it. We were supposed to have a prototype made to make sure that everything was going to be all good right. with the notebook before you manufacture a bunch that you're going to end up selling. Yep. You should probably have a prototype. Exactly. And we had it made, and it was sent directly to Tom and Dan studio because I said oh can we have it sent to me it's like oh prototypes are actually not a finished version there's like a lot that's wrong with them so like but that's kind of the point all you're Mm -hmm. doing is kind of checking did they print it right and bind it right it's like okay you know what you're looking for have it sent to you you look at so they got it in and looked at it and it's like okay everything's great you just missed a page um, so when you print them, you just got to make sure you get this page in. Like you've you've somehow misaligned the files. Even like just preparing and delivering the files mm-hmm. was a nightmare. And like I've learned all these things right about how many actual pages and like where does it start? Right. Like when you're delivering a file, you have to include the blank pages. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's you like have I to, don't understand. You like, must include the pages that are not going to be printed for the say, final copy of a book. You can't say put two blank pages and then no, start. No, no you no. must include the blank pages yep. in the PDF. And so they, they were talking to the manufacturers and they were like, okay, uh, we've done it now. Um, you know, you just got to get this one page in and we're all set. Everything else is great. And they're like, okay, how important is it? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, kind of important because the none of it makes sense anymore. Right. Like if, if everything you, was offset yes. by one because so of the So especially the daily themes page at the back. You were answering the questions before you saw them, right? Right, yeah. because it was all off by one. And it's like, oh, it's pretty important. It's like, ah, oh, okay, because they made them all, <laughs> right? That's 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 the thing when someone asks you the question, yeah. like, how much does this really matter? You know, it's, and the answer is we've we've printed we've, we've printed a lot of them because we just thought it was going to be fine, and we didn't <laughs> expect you to come back with a picky change. <laughs> and it was you know they were really nice about it and it's just a case of like all right so they had to recycle them and then mm-hmm. and this was like another thing because it's like all right so they're being printed now mm-hmm. so we have we have the prototype it's not going to be long now but then they use all the paper right and there was no more paper right so we had to wait another five weeks for the paper <laughs> this is how it's been this like two more months two more months two more months or well, like you know we're so close to so close and just never got there oh then customs oh my god we were supposed to sell this on our last episode. Mm-hmm. That was the plan. Yeah, and, and by the way, before that episode aired, it was like 
for sure, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Because they've gonna, they've been they've they, been mailed. They've they're literally on their way <laughs> in the air. Right. We know that they're co- we have a tracking number. Yep, the tracking delivery date <laughs> says Monday. We don't record until Friday. Yeah. Cotton Bureau were going to FedEx overnight me them, right. and we were going to be golden. Right. Nope. No. No. Stuck in customs for like twelve days. <laughs> I almost can't believe that they, we have it here and mm-hmm. that they're ready to be shipped. It, it is like a dream realized. Yeah, a- and with it, with every with every physical product, I will I will never cease to be astounded by how long it takes from conception to there's one in my hand mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. That, that Mike delivered in person. <laughs> oh, that one's not your one. I have a wrapped one for you. Okay. Don't worry. But this one, this one, it says it says on the back that this one is version... It's first notebook, edition. Notebook number one. Oh, yeah. Well, I just wrote that down. Oh, okay. That's, oh, that's, that, that's your handwriting. That's my handwriting. Not, nobody else gets that. It, it's, it, it's like this tiny bit of insight into the thing that everybody knows, which is like someone launches a Kickstarter for a product that they want to yep. make. And then just as a regular consumer, you think... Why has it taken three years to mm-hmm. make this thing? They they already showed me something, right? In the Kickstarter. And it's like, th- this is this is why. It's like, oh, yeah. we have a concept for a notebook. How hard could it possibly be? We create a PDF. Like, we, you know, we brainstorm about what it should look like on the inside. Surely we send a manufacturing company that PDF and then, bam, notebooks exist. No. 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 Not not if you want it in a particular way. And it's, it's crazy. It's like- My favorite thing that I learned is that... The Chinese manufacturing facilities shut down for Chinese New Year. Yes, yes, they were supposed to be on press leading into Chinese New Year. Yeah, and we missed it by one day, <laughs> and then and then that was again more multiple weeks. Yeah, uh, that that was that was my favorite one. I was like, wait, what? Do, what do you about that? What do you mean the factories closed? for a while and that we missed it by a single day and like it's Chinese New Year (laughs) (laughs) there were a lot of those kinds of conversations (laughs) where at a certain point it just became a thing I knew right like but it was kind of funny because like Tom would explain it to me and then I would explain it to you and it was like just this weird chain of events yeah and I also imagine that the person in China is like why do I have to explain Chinese New Year to you? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like every it's, single time, everybody's everybody's confused by it. But it like it fin- it finally exists. It is gorgeous. It is high quality. Yeah, we are like this is no joke. Very limited quantities, purposefully. Yeah. Um, and then there's this other whole question of I don't know when we're going to have more. Yeah, because if we want to make changes it might take as long as it took the first time. Yeah. Right? Like, this is this is very much, like, we really believe in this. And, our, I mean, our goal is, like, this will be a thing. Yeah. Right? That, like, the theme system journal will be a product that is available all the time. Like, that's the goal. Yes. Like, but we need to make sure that it works. Yeah. It's, like, I, I keep thinking of this as, as, like, product one of Cortex brand that it was it's this like is the why first we did it. yeah it's the first thing that really started the conversations yeah. about maybe we need to do a company to manufacture this sort of yeah. stuff we've ended up rolling out the subtlety and the cortex hoodie mm-hmm. and all, all of these other things first but that's why this is like product zero and it's here so i'm i'm, I'm very happy about that but we I'm very nervous well yeah so so <laughs> here, here's the here's the thing here's the things listeners genuinely 
It is not a sales tactic of like, oh, there's limited numbers that you have to buy right now. What we're looking for is people who are are really going to be like beta testers yep. for this journal. We're looking for people, you're going to buy this journal, you're going to use it, and you're going to send us back feedback about what do you like, what don't you like, what are you using it for, maybe you're doing something unexpected with it, maybe you're using it in exactly the way that you would think from Cortex. Mm-hmm. We just we just want these in the hands of people who are going to be using them and sending feedback to us. So that's why it is it is this beta product. And uh, I am, I'm also a little nervous about it finally going out in the real mm-hmm. world. But I have to say, not that nervous because it is amazing to it, hold in my hands. I'm very picky. There's a couple of things I will change. Yeah. I've already seen some stuff that I want to change, mm-hmm. but I will not say what they are. Yeah. But I am, I, I have a guess I'll, I'll, yep, I'll mention after yep. the show. I am incredibly happy with the overall production of this product Mm -hmm. in so much that i'm happy to sell it the reason we have them here now is we were not definitely going to put these on sale i needed to see it yeah to make my final decision on whether we were selling them or not we may have well have just been like all right that didn't work right let's start again yeah i was i was very clear when we started these conversations that i wanted to imbue mike with the ultimate veto power over the notebook like, of, of like, I, I cannot make a bad <laughs> yeah. notebook. Right. No matter what happens, yeah. if Mike is not happy with this product, even if we'd spent a year on it, like <sighs> it's, it still wouldn't have happened. So I am, I am also very happy to know that you are happy to send yeah, these out into the world. I'm very happy. So uh, cortexmerch.com. Cortexmerch.com. There are pictures. So you'll be able to see all of the, the different sections. Um, Cotton Bureau have taken some wonderful photos for us. So you'll be and you'll be able to see just how wonderful the debossing is. Go and get it. Like there's really not a lot of them. Like it's a it's a small amount. And if you do buy one, please let us know. Uh, business at cortexbrand.com is the email address. Like when you get it, I want to know how you're using them. They really are they are in stock now, so they'll be shipping immediately. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, it's not like when we do a lot of our clothing stuff where it has to be made. Mm-hmm. Like. You could have one within days of hearing this if you buy one now. So, just in time for July. Yeah, just it's a new. It's just in time for the summer season. It's it's, it's the time of it's Q three is about to begin. So we at least hit the start of a quarter. Okay, you and your cues. No one thinks look, in terms of this. Cues. Just how it, it look. The rest of the world <laughs> works in the quarters of the calendar. Right, no. July is about to begin. Perfect time. If maybe you want to set a new half yearly theme, mm-hmm. uh, go buy a theme system journal. Cortexmerch.com. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace because they will let you easily create a website for your next idea. With Squarespace, you can grab a unique domain name to give your site the name that it deserves, an award-winning template so you can make it look beautiful to the world that come and visit it, and so much more. No matter what type of website you want to make, Squarespace has all of the tools that you're going to need. There's nothing to install or patch or upgrade. It is an all-in-one platform that will let you put your next project out to the world. Squarespace have got you you covered whether you want to create a blog a portfolio a store a site for your business a site for your band they have all of the functionality that you are going to need to make it shine if you need any help at all they have a 24 7 customer support option available to you so you can go right in and get the help that you need i have been a huge fan of squarespace for years and years now i've launched so many projects there and i have other stuff in the works and always seem to always do and i'm going to be using squarespace websites for them you can go and try it out 
right now just by going to squarespace.com slash cortex. That is a free trial with no credit card required. With that trial, you'll be able to go in and tinker around and make your Squarespace website the way you want it to be. And then when you want to launch it to the world, their plans start at just $12 a month. But if you use the offer code Cortex at checkout, you will get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash Cortex and the code Cortex to get 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So there was a kind of, we had a little bit of an in-joke going into this episode about the fact that we, and again, we haven't even mentioned it. We're sitting around a table right now. We're in San Jose, California. (laughs) It's WWDC week. And we just spent a third of the episode talking about something completely different, which was a thing that we realized last time because it was kind of funny where it was like, well, because we had this, we had like two plans, right? Plan one was we were going to have all of the theme system journal stuff done the week before. Mm -hmm. Great. Or I'll just give the journal to you now because right. you've not seen it until yeah. right at this moment. So, but it was kind of funny, where it's like, well, that means we will start our <laughs> annual WWDC episode, not even referencing it. But <laughs> it is, uh, Mike. The, let me let's be honest. What's more important, the theme WWDC system you know, or the birth of a new theme system that can improve people's lives? Exactly. <laughs> right? what's, the, well, yeah. what's this software going yeah. to do? iOS. What's Blech. it done for anyone? More like SchmiOS. <laughs> so we watched the keynote together on Monday. Uh, there was a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of stuff. Um, you got your dark mode. How'd you feel? You got what you wanted. That was that was what you wanted. You were very upset uh, beforehand, thinking no, you weren't no, going to get it. No, you were very no, upset. No, Gray. no. I think I think you can roll back the tape, mm-hmm. and it's was I upset? No, I would say. Are was, you sure? I, no. If if listen to my words, I refused to get emotionally invested in dark mode, which is what you were trying to do in that mm. spoiler tastic <laughs> episode. Of the show previously, you you were trying to get you trying to get my hopes up so that they could yeah. be dashed upon the shore of WWDC. But they weren't. You got it. We did get dark. We got dark mode. Um, I mean, it's kind of what you would want it to be. Really, you can turn it on from Control Center. You can set it on a, a timer. I think you can. I think it's possible to enable it with a shortcut, and it just turns things from white to black. And a lot, it looks like a lot of Apple's UI, not all of it, which is interesting, but a lot of it is going to be completely black. So it, the pixels look off, mm-hmm. which is great on an OLED phone. Um, but they also have some apps where it's kind of just like a dark gray. Mm-hmm. But I'm really excited about this. I would expect, I'll probably run my phone in this all the time. Because any app that has a dark mode, I enable the dark mode. Mm-hmm. Because I just prefer that to piercing white light all the time. Yeah, as always with anything, it, the devil is always in the details. Of course. I, what I'm curious to see is if they do the option for light sensitivity for switching back and forth between light mode and dark mode. Mm. Because some apps do that. And there's a, to promote my ever favorite OmniFocus, has a fantastic feature, which allows you to set the threshold of what kind of brightness you think it should switch between, between I dark and light. I did not know it did that. That's kind of fascinating. And the way I have it set is to be in dark mode yep. unless the brightness is set to 100% to then switch to light mode. And the way that that ends up working is it's in dark mode unless I'm standing outside and then it's um, light mode. 
So I don't know if iOS will do something like that, but I, I do know, and uh, the thing I like about being at WWDC is to poke developers for some of the details. Be mm-hmm. like, hey, hey, what are they telling you in those labs? You know, you got to give me the good stuff here. Mm-hmm. Let me know what they're, what they're pushing. And the thing I was happy to hear is that they are pushing that whatever apps have a dark mode should follow the system status, that this is the way Apple wants it to be, that this this will be not just a toggle for the interface, but apps should also follow suit, that if you've hit dark mode, they will be dark mode as well, which I'm very I'm very happy about. And yeah, I re- like, obviously, I think it's way overdue. And I think it's totally an accessibility feature for a lot of people. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy it's here. There were, there were a couple of moments in the keynote, and dark mode was one of them, where it felt like, oh, are they talking directly to Cortex? Because it there was no moment more well, no, than no, that. But, but like before, <laughs> before, we even, before we even get there, the thing with dark mode is like, oh, it wasn't just dark mode as a feature. It was they had a whole introduction video of to like, dark mode yeah. yeah there was an introduction video to dark mode and uh even though i did not want to get my hopes up i felt extraordinarily confident that dark mode was coming with the with that absolutely gorgeous opening animation that they did for oh, wwdc i have to, I have to say i watched that thing just totally hypnotized so that, like they they were <laughs> It's like neon emoji. Yeah, it was... They were pulling some perspective tricks that were really well done. But yeah, it's like neon emoji against a dark background. But the emoji were clearly being rendered in 3D as well. So they they were just doing like this beautiful slow yep. movements of yep. one emoji to another. Honest to God, it was one of the most just beautiful animations I've seen in a long time. And I, I kept wondering, I was like, my God, like uh, if it was last year or the year before, they had a a really beautiful um, fingerprint animation that they did, which was like a transition between a regular fingerprint to a digital fingerprint. Mm-hmm. And it really struck me as like, God, whoever did that is an amazing animator. And I was like, I wonder if they just gave that guy the whole thing. They're like, please do this opening yeah, yeah, animation. Right, like you, you nailed it. But so when, when I was watching that, I was like, I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down, WWDC, <laughs> right? Like I, I, this is obviously there's dark mode coming. And now you're talking. You're talking straight to me. So, I'm very happy that it's finally here. I want to get maps out of the way because, like, I, <laughs> I have one word in my notes. It's just maps in all caps. Like, uh, we have a theory that there's like somebody somewhere inside of Apple listened to this show and decided to give maps the amount of time that got on stage, which was way more than I would have expected before. Um, <laughs> did you get what you were looking for with maps? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It, another reason I like coming here is being able to watch the show like with other people. And you and I really did have a total freak out when when it became clear how much they were actually going to talk about maps. That yeah. it wasn't it wasn't just a little like oh we've improved. And and that that really was like, are you, are you talking? Straight to me, WWDC. I think they, they brought somebody out onto the stage and yeah. everything. Yeah, they, yeah. There, there was a demo on stage. Like it wasn't even just like, oh, we've we've done something with the Maps app. It's like, yeah. no, here's somebody to come and show you all about yeah. it. There was a demo on stage. They demoed several features mm-hmm. of the new Maps app, and I have to say, I was I was very impressed. I I was genuinely enthralled during the entire I'm Maps sure you were. section. I, I, I've, I've, Somebody had to be. Oh, God damn it, Mike. No, look. Like, like, 
this, like aside from mm-hmm. uh, it, it was everything. It was everything I dreamed of. It was it was great. Uh-huh. They they introduced uh, collections, so you can have like little collections of places on maps, which is one of aside from offline maps, the only other feature of Google Maps I really like use and love. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I, like I'm already losing Mike because he's so bored. But l- listeners, there's a, there's a thing that I want to point out that I feel like everybody missed, and I've heard people. Uh, like poo-pooing we, it. Uh, maybe we'll miss that. No, I just no. don't think people... No, can... no, Mike, Mike. So they demoed mm-hmm. what looked like Street View yeah. on the stage. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It was very cool. It's called Look Around. Yes. Yeah, Look Around. <laughs> look Around the Street with a View. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> street Spy. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> road Eyes. <laughs> yeah, Road Eyes. That's <laughs> uh, good. That's really good. Um, so when I tried to talk to people about maps here at WWC and they were remarkably uninterested. I was getting getting a back a wall of like, oh wow, Street View, welcome to 2007. You must yeah. be so impressed. But here's the thing. Listen, listen listeners. Go back and watch that actual demo because I am convinced that they like they showed more than what you think it was. That was not what Google is doing where they're taking pictures of the street and morphing between them as you go down the street. Yeah. That was a fly-through of a 3D render of the street that had been textured with the photographs. They, and on that's their website. hugely impressive. They call it a 3D experience. Oh, okay. So they, ha- they have listed it on the website. Yeah, okay, interesting. It lets you 360 degrees to move down the streets. Okay. I feel, I feel very vindicated. Yeah, you got, you got what you were looking for. Then. Yeah, because it's like, this, this is the thing we were discussing last time of like Apple's building a 3D map of the whole world. Vallejo. Yeah, for AR, which we all know is is really a prelude to the glasses. All yeah. this, all this AR stuff. Yeah, it's, it's What's the big deal about AR? It's not about this. It's all it's about a future about, product. It's not about holding up your phone. They yeah. just want it to be ready for when they strap yeah. it to your face. And and the three D map of the world is part of that. And then also for any autonomy projects that might be in the works, mm-hmm. right? It's still useful for that. So I felt like you've shown it, like you're showing this thing that you've made. And I'm probably the only person in the world who checked this. But immediately after. The keynote was over. Do you know what the first thing I did was, Mike? I opened up the Maps app, and they released two new states in Ooh. the in the map. They released Arizona and New Mexico, and it makes me laugh so hard because they're literally following the exact same release pattern that American Truck Simulator has so far done, which was California, Nevada, then Arizona, and New Mexico. Listen, if, if you're listening to this, if you're on the Maps team, you have to release Oregon next because that's the next one that came out for American Truck Simulator. And I, and then if you do that, I'll take that as a sign. I know you're listening to me, Apple Maps team. It's like, what is it, like a sign from inside? Like, yeah, it's like it's a sign of life? Yeah, it's 100% a sign from inside. But yeah, the Arizona and New Mexico maps have been updated to be their new mapping system. I refuse to believe that's a coincidence. Yeah. I just th- That's wild. Yeah. But yeah, so anyway, new maps rolling out, they said, by the end of the year and selected countries by next year. So I was I was very excited. I was very excited and enthralled through the whole section of the of the maps. I look forward to annual updates at WWDC about maps every time now. Uh, I want to continue running through the things that you cared about <laughs> before we get before we get to the stuff that's <laughs> that's interesting. Is that what you mean to say, Mike? <laughs> before we get to the stuff that's a little bit more typically discussed. Was it Apple Watch faces next? Oh no, you have one more thing, right? What was the two things that you came with? It was maps. Well, oh, and do not just and like uh, the do not disturb type stuff. Yeah, so this is this is where I knew that the conference wasn't actually speaking directly to me when we right. got 
basically nothing, nothing. as as i fully expected yeah. in terms of notifications there's the silence unknown callers thing which is great um but yes as, as i expected i think apple feels like they've nailed it with notifications managers and i expect to be sad for the next five years in a row of wwdc stuff but you know that's that was expected let me test your sadness okay apple watch faces So now, when we watched the presentation, you were very upset. Yeah, people were laughing at me in the room. Yeah, but I know since you've like, will have had a little bit of time to look at them. Yeah. So we've been playing around with them on some of our friends' watches, who've installed the betas. What do you What do you think about the changes to the Apple Watch stuff? Yeah, I haven't had a lot of time to play around with it, but I I'll, I have two thoughts. Okay. One of which is, at least from what I've seen, I think the new California face is actually a pretty good-looking watch face. I don't think it's what I'm necessarily going to use, but I, th- I think like, oh, this is one that looks like a nice watch I face. I would also say that it surprised me how how nice I think that looks. Yeah, and it looks much better in person yes. than it did on the screen. Like I was I quite, agree. I was quite struck by seeing it in person to think like, oh, that looks much better than it does is like a gigantic blow up behind Tim mm-hmm. Cook's head. It's like it's too big on the screen. It doesn't look right. It makes me think of the fancy watches that you wear, Mike, that California watch face. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't have a, a California dial face, but I understand your point. Yeah. Like th- they, they, they are clearly trying to make watch faces that look like real watch faces, which I don't, I don't really have a problem with that mm-hmm. um, so long as they have utility to them. And I will say... They seem to to really show us on stage this time compared to previous years that they were debuting these new faces but were also finding ways to try and make sure that you could get a lot of complications on them even if they just looked like a color. Mm-hmm. So like there were some of them that looked like they were just attempt, like really just trying to be pretty mm-hmm. but you could also then put complications on those watch faces as well and it would slightly adapt the look of it. So it it really did seem like something that they were trying to put some focus on. of Like, we want to give you really good-looking watch faces, but not at the complete, like, lack of giving you information as well, like letting people kind of kind of choose how much they want to see. Yeah, for, uh, from seeing them in person, they, they've, um, they've sort of standardized on a concept of we can have these, like, gradient watch faces, but you can also take that and shrink it down to a circle and they've established that there's the four corners for complications. And that for these is not what they faces. did before, right? So, like, remember, yeah. the, like, you've, they've had like the picture face or like the kaleidoscope face, and so well, that's that's what you get, right? Right? You can't amend it. You can't make it more useful in any way. Um, but this time, it feels like that they have put a little bit more work into that. And I think it's because in the previous version of WatchOS, they actually found a, a, a shape for the complications that didn't exist before, like the corner ones. Yes, the, yeah, they're, they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. Now. They seem to have decided that this is this is like the future of complications, these corner yep. ones. Um, or you have a bunch of squares, yeah, right? Or you have a bunch yeah. of squares. You know, so it's either you go with like a circular face with, with some corner complications around it that kind of stretch a little bit more of the screen and make use of the different shape that the Apple Watch has now, right, with the newer version. Or you just throw as much as you can on the screen at one time and like make it modular. Yeah. So I can't say I'm really thrilled with the new watch faces. Um, but the California one looks nice. And the the thing that probably will matter to me the most is it seems like on a number of the watch faces, uh, they've introduced a, 
It's not a monochrome mode, but there is an option where you can force there to be fewer colors. Yeah. Which is which is one of my biggest issues with the infograph modular face that I use, which is just like depending on what complications you have, it's so yeah. color it's it's clown vomit to go back yes. to the very dawn of the show, right? Like yeah. there's too many colors. Some of them can be monochrome. Some of them are monochrome of an accent color. Yeah, the, the, like it, they have some modes fine. where you can turn it down a little bit. Because like some of the modular faces, if it was all one color, you wouldn't read anything because you, you wouldn't know where to go, right? Like you need yeah. some kind of like header or an indication of like this is a different thing to the thing above it. So I, th- I think they've actually done a pretty interesting yeah. job there. Uh, I'll, again, I'll be curious to play with it in person because yeah, on the previous monochrome modes, it, it, it they did an astounding job of choosing the exact wrong thing to highlight with the colors in a way that I found infuriating. Mm-hmm. But I can imagine using like a toned down version of my current watch face and being happier with the face on my watch. Every year, I feel like something happens at WWDC and I'm like, before I've used it, mm-hmm. I make some kind of proclamation. Okay. And a lot of the time, it doesn't wrong. work doesn't out work for out. me. My proclamation this year is around the, around the new Reminders app. Okay. I think I, I think it might be enough for me. Really? I, uh, yeah. What have you have you seen it in person at all? Very little. Okay. But based upon what Apple have shown and what I have seen, it does all I do with Todoist. Mm-hmm. I have projects, so I have lists that I put things in. Apple just has different lists, right? And I can set due dates and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it will remind me, and it has a view for what I have today and what I have scheduled. Mm-hmm. And I can set up some smart lists. Like, that's kind of it. It has smart list capability? It has smart list capability, yeah. Um, I think that these are, well, these are the ones that Apple created, right? So you have flagged, scheduled, and today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I need to see how far in advance scheduled will take me. Like, mm-hmm. is it every scheduled event? And if it is, maybe that's not so useful because I do like a seven-day view. But to mm-hmm. be honest, all I need to do is scroll seven days and I'm done. Right. But some of the extra little bits that it can do make it very interesting to me. So, like, for example, if I say remind... if Like, so if say I set a reminder and I attach you to it. Mm-hmm. The next time I open up an iMessage to you, I get a notification yeah. about the reminder that I have set for you. That is that is such an amazing feature. I, I, I did think that was just, that was so cool as an idea. It's little bits like that, which are very interesting to me. And like, you can... I just, I'm sorry, just not to interrupt you, but I just realized, like a dummy, how incredibly great that is specifically for you, right? It's like, you're... Your whole life is talking to people. <laughs> yeah, the only the, the only issue for me though is like a lot of that conversation happens in Slack. Mm-hmm. But I, but I still think iMessage would catch it a bunch. But it would still yeah. be useful because then if I I could still then go over to Slack, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I needed to. But like you, it, from looking at stuff like you can even have like sub lists, right? Mm. Within a list, um, there's there's like a lot of little things which seem really nice, and it looks like it's nicely made. And I'm just wondering if something with more system integration could be could be more useful to me. Yeah. And it certainly is better looking than Todoist. It certainly <laughs> is better looking than Todoist, especially in dark mode. So I'm I'm thinking about it, like, and I want to give it a go. You should totally give it a go, yeah. Because I I think that I love well no I love notes so much. If they have done 
to remind us what it did to notes, I think it's going to work fine for me. Hmm. And I would like to give it a go. Like I, it's something that once once I get on the beta train, which mm-hmm. I'm not going for beta one this time because everyone I know that's used it has told me not to do that. <laughs> but last year it was it seemed to be yeah. fine. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen a lot of extraordinarily buggy devices. Yeah. <laughs> I may I may sacrifice a device to it, but it mm. won't be one that I use every day. Like I have an older iPad at home. Like I think like the 10.5 inch mm. or something like that. I might I might kind of just throw it on there and see what it's like. Uh, but I think reminders is is I think it might be in my future. Hmm. I, I, want to, I really want to give it a go because I'm finding myself being much happier with a simple system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be, I think, really great to be able to use a system like this one mm-hmm. where it can also get hooks into the system that the other places can't. Like, for example, using Siri to set reminders of Todoist is a nightmare because Siri fails to understand the word Todoist for me most of the time. But otherwise, I could just say, oh, hey, assistant, mm-hmm. remind me at such and such to do this. And it's just it's just done then. And I think I would actually quite like to do that, but have not been able to do it previously because I could not get it to work reliably for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then when you start thinking about the fact that Reminders is a system app, and then shortcuts exist, and then all the things that I might be able to do there because it's going to have real good hooks oh, into shortcuts. Yeah. I didn't even think of that, but yes, yeah. So um, I, I, I'm really, I'm very keen. This is the thing that like I was wondering how I would feel about reminders, and it, I'm getting a bit drawn to it. Like mm. the, as well, just the design, mm-hmm. very nice. Mm. It looks really nice. Uh, and like I've seen people playing around with it, I've seen the, the stuff that Apple's been posting. That is the thing that I'm really gonna gonna give a give a go at. Hmm. It has a, good, a lot of nice location stuff as well, and the UI is pretty good. And uh, yeah, I want to get. I'm I'm I've got my eye on that one. Hmm. Well, I'll be curious to hear how that goes. Hello, freelancers. Do you want to save 192 hours of your precious limited life? Of course you do. And our friends at FreshBooks can help you do just that with their simple cloud accounting software. Whatever it is you do to bring home the bacon, you don't want to spend more than a minute that you have to on tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and making sure that you get paid. That's not how you bring value to the world. That's busy work. Busy work that FreshBooks is very happy to take off your hands because they've already done it for over 10 million people worldwide. In addition, FreshBooks automates late payment and email reminders. This is just the best when you have a client who hasn't gotten around to actually paying you. Not only does FreshBooks handle your paperwork, they handle the human awkwardness as well. They'll chase down your client so you can spend more time doing the work that you do. And you don't have to wonder what's going on either, because when you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether or not they've seen it, which puts an end to you having to play the guessing game of have they just ghosted you or not. So if you are listening to Cortex right now and you haven't tried FreshBooks, you should give it a shot. FreshBooks are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show, no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash cortex and enter cortex in the how did you hear about us section. If you're a freelancer and you want to get back those precious hours of your life, go to freshbooks.com slash cortex and enter cortex in the how did you hear about us section. You won't regret it. 
Thanks to FreshBooks for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Can we talk about iPad OS? I can't believe iPad OS exists wow. as a thing. Like what a what a way for Apple to put themselves on the hook in a way that I think it's so interesting. Like they had no need to name it as a thing that then people can specifically say, oh, they didn't update iPad OS this so year. I'll say I'll say nobody was asking for this. There have been people asking for this for a while, but this was not a thing going into WWDC. Yeah. If if I if we I was one of yeah, if we were one of these crazy podcasts that does drafts or predictions and yeah ricky picks yeah and all this Imagine sort of nonsense uh like you know and we could pick a thousand things to predict yep. for wwdc i don't think either of us would have put on a list of a thousand things oh they'll officially split ios and have this ipad version i don't th- it's i feel totally blindsided by that it's one of those things though that when you start looking at everything together mm-hmm. um like iPad OS and Project Catalyst, which is what we were calling Marzipan mm-hmm. before, which is iPad apps on the Mac. I'm going to have a very hard time with that name. Catalyst. Yeah, cat- Catalyst. I, I cannot Catalyst remember. for change, Gray. I love it. I think it's a great name. I, I think it is a good name, but Marzipan is just so in my head. I hated the name, though. It's so, I, I'm it's, just happy they gave it a name. Because yes, it was very, yes. knowing Apple, to be like, oh, it's just iPad apps on the Mac. It's like, well, that's not a name. Right, yeah. You've described it. It's not a name. <laughs> um, but them just giving the iPad its own... All right, so this is... Okay, so this is the complication of it, in case you don't follow these things as closely as we do. It is not a separate operating system like iOS and the Mac have a right. separate operating system. This is a this is still iOS under the hood, but it there are additional features. I mean, and again, the iPad has had additional features for a while that the iPhone doesn't have. But this is like putting a like you you are putting a stake in the ground, fork in the road, one of those two things. I, I would say they're putting themselves on the hook. They are doing that, yes. but like they, they are basically saying, all right. We've, we've been doing this for a while where we're making the iPad different. We are now going to say it has its own operating system and we're going to move forward. It's like, so tvOS, so the operating system that runs on the TV, that is also iOS. Yeah. But they call it something else. But what Apple have now done is every WWDC, they need to say what they're doing on iPadOS mm-hmm. in the same way they say what they're doing on tvOS, which sometimes isn't a lot. Yeah. But yeah, but it's always like they have to mention it. They there has to, to be something. Mm-hmm. And you know, if they have new screensavers for TVOS, I'm always very happy. Love them, right? And and this way, I feel very confident that we can expect going forward that there's going to be at least annual change. There needs to be each year. There has to be annual change. Otherwise, you shouldn't have done this because yeah. nobody was asking for it. And if you would have kept it as it was, I would have expected changes in two years' time. Yes. Now. You better show me next June what else is coming to the iPad. Yeah, I mean, my assumption, which of course could be dashed on the rocks of WWDC, Mm -hmm. but my assumption is they did this because they have some internal roadmap of here's what we expect the next four years to look like, Mm -hmm. and they're extremely confident about hitting it for the changes that are coming, because otherwise this would be madness to do it like this. And then, I mean, they started it well because they have packed this full of stuff that people wanted Mm -hmm. like massive changes to multitasking Mm -hmm. more than i would have expected you know like we were talking about like oh what we really want is to have 
instances of apps all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. Which is 100% what they've done. Yep. You can take any view of an application, turn it into a new window. You can have them paired with multiple different applications and you long press on an icon, you can see where they all are and you can go to the one you want. It is almost exactly what we are mm-hmm. wanting. Like it's perfect, right? I can't wait. Then you look at what they did to Safari. Mm-hmm. They've basically made a desktop version of Safari. And the difference here is it's not just saying show me desktop mode because then stuff doesn't work, mm-hmm. right? So like we've all been to websites where you have to, with a mouse, you would hover over it and it would pull down. Apple's doing this like crazy analysis of web pages to understand what hover states are. Oh, so I when you this. tap on something, it will bring down the hover thing. It won't oh, navigate. Like they're doing like a bunch of wild stuff. So like, for example, Google Docs. Oh, yes. But I have to say, this, this might have been, this might have been a, like a big moment of surprised face on Mike. Like I looked over at you and you looked shocked when they, they, they called out. They called out Google Docs. Yeah, because I mean, you know, for anyone who listens to Mike's shows, you know, there's like this annual, how long is it going to be until Google Docs is yep. updated problem. And um, now Google Docs will work in Safari on iOS. So this is, you know what I just realized? I use Chrome on all my iOS devices. It's probably going to have to change now. Yeah, I think that's that's going to that's gonna Or go I away. just treat Safari like it's the Google Docs app. I'll work it out. Mm-hmm. But like they're, they're doing like a bunch of stuff to make sure that these like full desktop web apps work on the iPad now which is it's huge right like to, to the amount of work that they've had to put into this it's going to make a massive massive difference to being able to get work done on the iPad as well as like there's a downloads manager mm-hmm. so you can download files properly now right like the, I know that this stuff it, when we say it it really does enforce the idea of like you should use real computer but like mm-hmm. There are many advantages to using iOS. We've spoken about them for years. Mm-hmm. It's really great to see Apple just trying to close the gaps a little bit more. Yeah, and and I, I was really happy to see a bunch of those changes with Safari because it, it again, addresses the very thing that I, I was saying I wish I could do last episode of being able to have multiple windows full of tabs. Multiple for, windows, multiple tabs, yeah, and multiple projects. Places. So you can have... 50 instances if you wanted of notes and safari yeah you could just have infinite amounts of them yeah and the, and the thing the thing that i really like about this is it's going to solve a frustration that i i currently have which is when i'm investigating various projects i sort of i sort of always have like tabs open on random machines and now this this allows me to further double down on the concept that my ipad is this research assistant and so you know, long time listeners will know I love defining like places for an activity. Mm-hmm. And now this just this 100% makes like the iPad is the research assistant. And so like, if I'm looking stuff up on the web for a project, I should have my iPad in my hands. And this way, like that always just has the current state of open tabs for all of the projects that I'm working on. So like I'm that was uh, when I got my hands on the first device running a beta. That was like the very first thing I wanted. I was like, show me how I can make multiple Safari yep. windows. It's I, I'm really excited about the Safari stuff, like in a way that I did, wouldn't have expected that I would be. Mm. But there are there are so many times when I'm trying to do a thing. and It's like, oh, God, it's such a pain. 
Mm-hmm. And and now it's being able to to have it fully understand or like fully fight around the parts of the web that refuse to change. It's it's basically deciding like is Apple we're not giving in on this. Yeah. Like we're, we're, if you're not going to change around us we're going to force the change on you. And I, I like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting to hear. Um and I, and I know, yeah, that, that always tends to be a uh, like a weird constraint on iOS sometimes. Like, oh, right, my bank's web page just mm-hmm. doesn't work and I have to do this on the Mac. And, yeah. it, like, and in theory now, it will. Yeah. Right, like that's, that's, that, that's what they're working for. Mouse and trackpad support is friggin' wild. So this was not announced in the keynote. It mm. is an accessibility feature. So you have to turn it on any accessibility settings. What it does, so you may have come across at some point in your life somebody who had an iPhone with a broken home button, and there is this, there is a system called Assistive Touch, which puts a uh, home button, like a digital home button, on the screen of the phone, and you can set it up so you can tap it to use it as a home button, and you can set it up to have a bunch of actions, like shortcuts assigned to it, like lock the screen, take mm-hmm. a screenshot, and this is for people who have limited mobility. Mm-hmm. But what Apple have done is take this digital finger basically, this big circle, and you can plug in a USB mouse or connect one of a Bluetooth or a trackpad and effectively have a cursor on iOS. Now, it is, you know, it is a big gray circle, right? It is not perfect, um, but it really is a feature that is intended to not be the default way that people interact with these devices, mm-hmm. but it is for people who require it for certain mobility reasons. Uh, I am one of those people. You know, we have spoken at length about repetitive strain injury on this show, and I have been uh, recently. I've been for a while. I've been using my iPad uh, in a stand. The stand I use is called the Clearlock stand. I will cl- include a link in the show notes to uh, the Amazon page because people always ask me, and this is one that I feel happiest recommending. Mm-hmm. It is the best stand that I have used so far for an iOS device because it can, at a desk, be at my eye height. And I've not used a stand like that before, and it remains stable when I tap it. But now I don't mm. need to worry about that oh, right. because I will be able to connect a mouse. Because what I found I was still doing was I have to lean forward sometimes mm-hmm. to tap on stuff. But now I can sit back comfortably when I'm at my desk. I connect a Bluetooth mouse. I use my keyboard. Then I can use my preferred device. I know mm. I'm using it like an iMac at this point. I know this, right? The iMac is next to me still on my desk. But I love iOS. It's mm. the platform that I enjoy. And now I will be able to use it in a way that is most comfortable to me in certain circumstances. I bet this is going to be a really strange experience because, like, um, it was last year they introduced, or it was was the new iPad, the ability to run it on an external monitor over USB-C. And I don't use it, but I did, out of curiosity, I just set it up one day to be like, oh, Oh, you know, how does this work? I had forgotten about that. (laughs) Oh, had you? Yes, I could plug it into a monitor. Yeah, you could plug it into a monitor. Because you don't need the iPad to actually physically touch the screen anymore. Well, damn, everything's changed. Now, I'm thinking very differently about what computer I'm going to buy next. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. You've got something to think about there. I've got something to think about. Because now, in theory, I only need one desk set up. I need to think about that. I need to think about that. Yeah, like... But that is when it, whenever there's compelling. new stuff, you always need to rethink Everything. what's the situation going to be. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, there's a new feature in iOS. I need to rethink the entirety of Mega Office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I was just gonna say like I, I tried that once on the screen, just to see it, just to play around with it. Yeah, and I found it just like such a surreal experience to see iPad on uh, like iPad. I was gonna say iPad OS, uh, but then iOS yeah. on this giant screen, and I can imagine it would it be a very surreal experience to do that, and then also be able to control it with a keyboard and mouse because yeah. we have. You know, we have 10 plus years of using iOS just with our, our fingers and, you know, if we're lucky, a stylus. Uh, and so, yeah, I just think that'd be, that'd be an interesting experience to try it like that for the first time. Yeah, I'm really, I'm, this is something I'm so excited about because the keynote came and went and it, and it wasn't announced. And I was a little bit bummed about it like mm-hmm. because basically we'd heard about this for a while, mm-hmm. that it was something that Apple was testing. And it was something that was really going to be a quality of life improvement for me. Yeah. And so I was genuinely so pleased to see that it's something that exists. Um, and I will be able to get some genuine use out of it. Like, I can't wait. Also, I use uh, I use the bridge keyboard now as well. Mm-hmm. I'm like intrigued. Like, will they make a cursor version? Oh, Like a trackpad version? Because in theory, you could do it now. I mean, the problem the problem is, at least for now, I think it's still going to be a niche feature. Mm-hmm. My feeling would be that, like, eventually they may try and make this a little bit more widely supported in the system and less of an accessibility thing. Like, maybe they just want to see, like, will people use this? Mm-hmm. Like, we know this is a good accessibility feature, but will people use this? Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I think they're doing it the right way. I think it would have been a bad idea to be, here's iPad OS, now you can use a mouse. Yeah, I agree. The, from a messaging perspective, wrong. that would have that would have been bad. But it is a feature which has genuine use. Mm-hmm. So adding it to the system is like that's great. But maybe then just kind of tracking how people use it going forward is is quite useful. The home screen has been changed quite significantly. You can now have way more apps on one screen, and you can have widgets pinned to it. It's not massive change, but it they have effectively did the bare minimum that I would have wanted to see. You've you've completely ignored the most massive change as far as I'm concerned in iPad OS, which is now when you take your iPad and you rotate it mm-hmm. ninety degrees, the icons stay in the same place. Yes. They, there's none of this line shuffle anymore. Which is you can fantastic. have I think it's six across at the top now, and then when you rotate it, it stays as six across yes. at the top. The same as when you have them full screen and bring the widgets in. Yeah, it just, it just compresses them. them. Yes, which is Brilliant. so so good. And finally, someone understanding like muscle memory is really important mm-hmm. for the, you can't you can't move icons around on people. That's that's madness. <laughs> I, I love the idea of having widgets just right there. Mm-hmm. Like I think that that's a great look, great thing to do. Like keyboard shortcuts are being significantly enhanced, and like I think you can like trigger. Uh, shortcuts from a keyboard shortcut hmm. which is kind of wild there's like a bunch of amazing stuff happening with keyboard shortcuts apple pencil latency i know was the thing that you were really kind of like blown away by uh, it, yeah so they, they mentioned in the key keynote that they had the latency they dropped it from it was like 20 milliseconds to nine milliseconds yeah which, which i genuinely was completely blown away by because i i th- if I can remember, I think somewhere around like five gets to be the limit of human perception. That like oh really? Like your brain simply can't so perceive they are the like distance. Nearly anymore. there. Yeah, and wow. But like part of the reason I was blown away by it is that this is. It just it felt like such an Apple-y thing, and I love it when they do this kind of thing where, the latency on the Apple Pencil already 
is as as good as I could ever expect the latency it's like on a than thing. Everybody to, else's. Yeah, it's it's yeah. so much better. On, only under the most extreme of motions do I even notice that there's some kind of latency. Uh, like it was so impressive already, and it, it just it didn't feel like an area where it was desperately calling out for oh you guys yeah. need to fix it. And they're like oh hey we made it twice as fast this thing that was already amazing and we're pushing up against the limits we, of human perception. We improved perception. it by, by three milliseconds. Yeah. Like, oh, great. But it's like, no, we just, just cut it in half. Yeah. Less than half. Yeah. We just, for funsies, I guess, really, just to prove that we could do it, I suppose. Yeah, and I, and I just think, I, I think that that, it's great because it's those it's those little things that you don't notice that make it feel more like you're just directly interacting with the with the device that is like, I'm moving and the line underneath the pencil is just like rock solid and it's there. And I, and, and I can't even, if I'm re- going very fast, get that line to move away from, from the pencil. So I was just impressed because I thought like, well done, Apple. I love seeing you do this kind of stuff where it's already amazing and you, you devote a bunch of in- engineering resources to a thing that nobody would have complained about, but that makes the experience uh, much better. So that, that's why I was so impressed. It's like, I can't believe yeah. you guys did that. It was madness. Oh, the text selection? stuff has changed or i'm really intrigued to see how this ends up looking like all the gestures like the three finger pinching to copy and paste and yeah they've they've got rid of the magnifying glass so you just you just drag the cursor around this is one of those things where it's like all right i i, I want to see what this actually ends up being like yeah and i also i have this feeling like we don't have the full picture of this yet no. because there's uh at least at the time of recording it's a little bit unclear whether or not 3D touch has been removed from iOS entirely. Like it's a little bit unclear, like what's happening exactly with this. 3D touch still works. Yes, but but there's a question. But it it of, looks like yeah. it. It is. It is a possibility that the actual method in which it works right now, where there is a physical interaction going on, mm-hmm. may go away. Yeah. And then that ex- could then expand it out to other devices if if they don't actually need 3D Touch to perform the action anymore. Yeah. So it's a bit unclear. Yeah, it's it's a bit unclear what's happening. But like 3D Touch has a lot to do with text selection, particularly on the iPhone as well. So like I I just kind of wonder, you know, sometimes at WWDC you feel like you get half of the story because you get a preview of September of them not trying to show you anything. Yeah, and there's and there's one there's one thing that I think really backs up a, a totally like hashtag Mike was right thing from the previous episode which is one you got the app store for the app watch for the the app store for the apple watch um and then i have i've heard from a couple developers now that again like inside the halls of wwdc they're really focused on like hey guys make sure your apps are uh independent on on the watch Mm. right so i think really backs up your concept that they might be doing a an independent independent or semi-independent watch it feels like it like it it feels like it like they, they this is way too heavy for us to get into, but they, they created this new UI system so mm-hmm. developers can make these things called Swift UI. And it, it's like a carrot and stick thing. They mm-hmm. want people to move to the system so they're offering them the ability to make watch apps better. Mm-hmm. It's actually very clever the way that they're doing this. But that is like... Every, they know it's going to take everyone a little while, I mm-hmm. think, because they're going to have to... A lot of developers will need to be also learning a new operate, like a new language to, to write their apps in. Mm. So I think it's like, hey, just why don't you just start doing this? And yeah. then I may, it might even be, right, like that in September they debut 
an Apple Watch, which is intended to be even more. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised now, based on what I've heard from developers. I mean, yeah, it is way beyond the scope of this show. But I, I have to say, my like, of all the things, actually, the the announcement that I am kind of the most interested in is some of the Swift UI stuff and the way that it feels like, oh, this is this is finally what they've been working towards for a number of years with Swift. It's super interesting though, because so we spoke about right, Catalyst, right? The idea of bringing iPad apps to the Mac. And I'm really excited about this because it, there are apps, like I said last time, apps that I use all the time on my iPad that don't exist on my Mac. And I, I now feel even more convinced because Apple basically have said it, make good iPad apps. Mm-hmm. So you'll have good Mac apps. Yeah. Right? Like that's, they are being very clear yeah, about that's this That's very now. clearly what's like happening. They've said it. So like that's it's going to make the iPad ecosystem far richer than before. It's probably why they created iPadOS, right? They're, they're deemed the operating system iPadOS now because they want everyone to make really good iPad apps. A lot of the changes that they've made are clearly to enforce that and to like add some consistency between the two platforms. But then they come up with this thing called Swift UI, which is like the, the kind of the idea of it ultimately is the, the app that you make can be represented on all of the platforms. Mm-hmm. So they have these multiple projects running. So... Currently, right now, you make an iPad app, you can put it on the Mac. Maybe next year you can do it with the iPhone, put it on the Mac. But in a couple of years' time, it's probably going to be like, nah, forget all of that. Mm-hmm. Make a Swift UI app and just make this one app and it runs on everything. Yeah. Because it's this whole different way of, of interpreting the way the code's written. It's, very, it's, it's just interesting to see them doing multiple things that could ultimately have a very similar outcome. Yeah, it's one of those times where you can very clearly see what they're working towards. And I like yeah. that they're doing it this way. Like they started last year by showing off what would become Catalyst as a way to get people thinking. I mm-hmm. think Apple is at the moment very much positioning themselves for their future publicly mm-hmm. in a yes. way that they haven't in quite a while. And that makes me excited especially when the iPad is so heavily featured in that. Yeah. And the thing that made me smile is when, when they talk about this new Swift UI stuff, like this new way to write apps, they even mentioned like, oh, it works across all our platforms, even the Apple TV, right? And, and again, it's, it makes me just think of like, like this conservation project and like, here is what we really want. You're going to write apps in just this way and then it's going to work across all of our devices. And I also think it must be on the roadmap as well, like, anything that's coming down the future right like Mm -hmm. they're just like this is the way it's going to be and like i i think that's great because it makes all of the various app ecosystems stronger yep and it also like just from a company perspective gives them an incredible amount of power for any future projects that they want to bring out if like they can keep it still working with swift ui which i'm sure is exactly their plan it's like Bam, they can launch a new product and basically have a whole bunch of apps that can run on it already. Yep, and, they, and they, they've done it, they've debuted it in the perfect way, right? Because we have a bunch of friends who make apps and they hate the way that the watch kit stuff works, like yeah. the way you currently make watch apps. So Apple have made it that if you want to make a really good watch app, a native watch app, just use Swift UI. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, yeah. I'm going to have to learn it now then. <laughs> yeah. Every, every time I go to WWDC, I always feel like there's something that I always like to ask the developers about because I, you know, I don't have mm-hmm. the expertise to evaluate it myself. And Swift UI has been that thing for me at this conference. Every time I'm talking to anybody who touches code, I'm like, oh, if you looked at Swift UI, what do you think? And everybody really loves it and thinks it's a great idea. So it, it feels like this is, this is totally the future of how apps are going to be made. 
This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Sometimes cybercrime seems like something from the movies, like it's hard to imagine someone wanting to get a hold of your information, but unfortunately, stealing data using public Wi-Fi is a really easy way for bad people to make money, and it happens to normal people, people like me, people like you. If your internet connection is unencrypted, then your passwords and credit card numbers could be vulnerable. But there's something that you can do to protect yourself from this. Start using ExpressVPN right now. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Use it right now. ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing, encrypting your data, and hiding your public IP address. They have easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your device, and you turn on ExpressVPN protection with just one click, then you're free to safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having your personal data stolen. I just came back from a trip, right? You heard us. We were away. I was using ExpressVPN the whole time because I was connected to public Wi-Fi. Like, it's just an easy thing to do, and then I have that peace of mind. So I'm a huge fan of ExpressVPN, and so Attack Radar, they rated it number one as their VPN service. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have, and it even comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee as well. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need ExpressVPN. So go to expressvpn.com slash Cortex to learn more right now and protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months for free at expressvpn.com slash Cortex. That's exp cortex for three months free of one year package. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Let's talk about the Mac Pro. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the Mac Pro. Why do you want to talk about the Mac? I Pro? just want to get your opinion on the Mac Pro. This is a horrifically powerful machine. Well, if you spec it up, it's going to be horrifically powerful. The, okay, the machine that has the ability to be <laughs> horrifically powerful. Do you think it is a good-looking computer? Okay, right. Okay, so this, yeah, this is this is the this is the this is the first thing. Mac Pro comes out. It's up on the stage, <laughs> and you know, we we were watching. I think we were both like, huh? like kind of cocking our heads <laughs> to the sides. That's, that's a thing that you've got there. Yeah, and I think it is fair to say it's a bit of an ugly duckling. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I do not think it looks good. Yeah. I have heard from people Mm -hmm. that have actually gone in and developers could go in and see it. Yeah. And people say that like in person, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. And I I can believe that it looks better in person than it does in the same way. Like the watch faces look better in person than they do demoed on stage. But like, let's just get this on the record. The, the, the Mac pro, the the cylindrical Mac pro, that thing looked awesome awesome right but it was terrible yeah it was a beautiful piece of garbage so let's you know it is very clear that what they've decided to do is make something that looks uh, you know but works great you expect right like that's the plan there's a there's a weird way in in which i almost wonder did they make it look a little ugly like 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 what i would want to do is i would want to get one of the apple designers who worked on it and give them a little bit of sodium pentothal and be like listen i don't know what that is but i'm terrified (laughs) that you've pulled that out (laughs) like i want to know i want to know what's in the deep recesses of your mind and not the apple pr spin of like oh it's a beautiful product like it there's a way in which i wonder if it's almost a little bit of a signal that like it it's very functional mm-hmm. it's not a gorgeous machine and that that is almost a way to signal that this is a professional machine the thing that is awkward about it is it has so many holes in it a lot of holes in it um okay i have to i have to say something about these holes uh-huh. so 
everybody's talking about like the the fear of holes things and like, how holes can look gross <laughs> trypophobia like you don't don't nobody don't google, google it, it. I know it's, it's always a joke but don't um but here's the thing i don't think it's i don't think it's that because I've, I've been looking at it very close and what i think is the weird design decision that i don't understand is it's not the holes themselves but it's that there's two grates of holes yep. that are offset from each other I actually think that they may have done that to offset the trypophobia effect. Yeah, so you have these two grates, but the thing that you can tell from videos of it, or what is actually one of the few times I think AR is quite cool, is like looking at the AR models of it. Yeah, it's really cool. But the grates have a lot of distance between them. And so when you're looking at it from different angles, the back set holes move quite a lot Mm -hmm. compared to the front set holes. And and the thing that I don't like is I find it creates an optical illusion where from some angles, it almost looks like, um, I'm trying to think about it, is the way that you can draw an object and you can shade it such that if you're looking at it, it can look like it's recessing into the page. And then all of a sudden it can look like it's popping out of the page. Like when you see people drawing on the street. Right. Yeah, yeah. And they, or it's like, they does draw this something go in, at an angle or is that it makes coming it out? Look like it's real, like yeah. standing up, right? And and I f- I find I have a little bit of that effect that I don't mm. like. That from some angles, it actually looks like there's bubbles that are popping out mm. that have a little hole in the center. Mm. So that so I, like it took me a while to pin down what don't I like. It's not the trypophobia thing. I think that's a little overblown. I mean, unless you suffer from it greatly or whatever. I mean, it, for me, like when I saw it, I was a little bit like, "Ooh, does that make me feel weird?" But it's not that. <laughs> I I just don't think that it is a very attractive computer. Like yeah. it has some strength. Like it's that as well. But then also the big handles, the big stainless steel handles, mm-hmm. and there's the aluminium case. It is just a very particular looking thing mm. it, it looks a lot like the previous mac pro which was lo- lovingly referred to as the cheese grater mm-hmm. i think on purpose mm-hmm. uh they, they could have made it look any shape and any color. like for example this is not space gray mm-hmm. it is silver like the old mac pro mm-hmm. when apple had said that pro devices were space gray that's why the imac pro space gray that's why the Mac Mini space gray because they're trying to position it towards the Pro market more. But then the Mac Pro is not gray, yeah, which is weird. I, I honestly like if there's one thing about it that I think could make a big difference for not very much is I think it it would look better if they I just darkened the colors like space gray. It would it would have much less of that weirdness mm-hmm. if they just darkened it up. So like I, I give the I give the light color a big thumbs down, but I can also understand why they might want to do it this way to try to distinguish it but i i if i if i had one of those things i'd be like can i spray paint this like will spray paint stick to the surface of this i guess dbrand right oh yeah i'm sure there must be a dbrand skin that i can line up with all the holes just perfectly i'm looking at it in (laughs) ar right now and i'm like moving it around and it is really weird how the how it changes how much the holes change from different angles oh it's like a lot of eyes now yeah like at an extreme angle it looks like eyes popping out yeah, that's so weird. That 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 was the thing that I settled on. Like, this is I what I don't feet, like. I find the little feet kind of strange. Like, there's like a, there's like a lot of things about it that are super weird, but it's but, incredibly powerful. Yeah. So, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh-huh. a friend Austin Evans. Mm-hmm. He was a wonderful tech YouTuber, and I said, I asked him the graphics cards that Apple are putting in this thing. They're talking about how powerful it is, like what do you think about it? And he's like, seems pretty legit. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're not joking. 
with this. Like, and it's one of those things like, are Apple going to continue to make the modules that you need to continue to make this thing better over time? Who knows? But what they're putting in it, which is like they rebrand AMD cards, right? Mm -hmm. So they're like AMD cards that you can buy and then they kind of rebrand them with with Apple and, and put them in this new package. It is super powerful. But I think it's too powerful for most people. Oh, no, no, like... All of it is. Yeah, the, the, this thing is very clearly a device for professionals. In a way that the iMac Pro is like, oh, it's iMac Pro. But also, you know, you can buy one and it can be like a nice high-end mm-hmm. computer. Um, but yeah, the, like, I, I found that whole presentation really interesting and... Uh, in particular, when they were going through the specs, it's like they they couldn't hit harder a bunch of bullet points for people who work in the video field. Like that is what they were just hitting like over and over again. Um, and the, and the one that like the we were laughing because at some point like the numbers are just so big and like it can do a hundred million things. Like you're losing your mind. And they go through all this this incredible stuff. A thousand tracks in Logic. Oh yeah, yeah. The demo of a thousand Logic tracks. Was... If you have a thousand <laughs> tracks in Logic, what are you doing? What, yeah. are you, what song are you making? Yeah. Or like the biggest podcast ever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like oh, you know, uh, yeah. It, it, it was yeah. The demos, the demos were just absurd but then the thing that that made me smile is like they go through all of this stuff and then at the end they're like oh we've also built a custom module that will offload all the work of handling the ProRes codec which for anyone who works in Final Cut knows oh this is the whole thing that Final Cut is based on is like converting all your files into this particular codec and then the machine works with that codec and it's like oh okay so all these amazing things that you've already shown me none of that has to even shoulder the burden of like the primary processing of video files like it just it is a product that feels really aimed at like every film and production studio in the world that is very clearly what they're going for even with like the reference monitor but stuff like why though like this is the thing i don't I, i'm I kind of struggling to get my head around it a little bit what do you mean i just don't know i just don't know if how important a computer this is for apple to be making I'm I'm not sure, because the Mac Pro used to have a much wider Mm -hmm. capture Mm -hmm. of people. Like, the catchment area for this computer were people like me and you. We would buy Mac Pros. Yeah. Right? But this one feels so purpose-built for specific use cases. Mm -hmm. I'm just not sure what the business reason is going into the future which would give Mm. me pause for thought in buying one if i needed one i'll I'll say this and here's what i was wondering about uh when i thought about it later i know a lot of um professionals in the video world who were specifically concerned even after the imac pro that they just didn't really have anywhere to go Mm -hmm. with apple Mm -hmm. um like real production houses deal you know the the kind like the kinds of places that are producing television documentaries and movies and and like uh very complicated youtube channels like that kind of stuff and and feeling like these are businesses that deal with huge revenues and their concern was even if they buy a bunch of iMac pros they still feel like they're hitting up against the CPU limits for that kind of thing mm-hmm. so what i i wonder 
and I just kind of think about it as well with Apple getting into like production stuff itself, the Apple TV stuff is do, do they they just think it's important. Yeah, do they think it's important to own the mind share of people in the media production industry? And I, and I can think that that is a good target to have. I I agree that I think it's important. Mm-hmm. I just want to see commitment in yeah, the oh, long yeah. term. Co- yeah, commitment is always because a thing that's up in the air. they have decided to not make this computer anymore, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That, that was clearly the route they were going down because the circular Mac Pro was a disaster. So then they were going to make the iMac Pro to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. But then people were so upset, they decided, no, we are going to make another Mac Pro. The iMac Pro was supposed to be the top computer. Mm-hmm. Like, that was very clear. But then they backtracked on that idea. So, like, I know that, like, there's obviously discussions inside of Apple and, and battles were fought and battles were won. But, like, it's just interesting to me that, like, you decided you weren't going to do this anymore. Then you went bonkers and built this incredible computer. Yeah, but, but I, I and really it's such am... A, but it's such a 180. That's what I find weird about this. Yeah, but I... I... I really suspect that there actually is a connection with the Apple TV production. I that, think that, like, that is sim- a cool theory. Like, simply I like being that. exposed to more directly to production houses and production <laughs> like, houses' needs. This is a disaster. We yeah. need to make a computer yeah. for this. And, and, and my actual evidence for this is how much they focused on that monitor as a replacement for reference monitors. Let's talk about the monitor. Yeah. But like... Yeah, so so they've they've made this crazy monitor, but there's a there's a thing which if if you've never worked with anybody in the media production world, like this this really does sound crazy. But you need these very special monitors. Why? Because this is like yeah. uh, showing me this presentation. You know about reference monitors, right? Yeah, like yeah. I don't know what that means. Like I no nobody watches content on a reference monitor, so why is it important? Yeah. Okay. So like. I'll try. I'll try to think of like a, a use case for a reference monitor. Say you you're a rel- like you're a relatively small YouTube channel who wants to do something like sh- shoot an interview. This is like a normal person scenario for for doing something, and you've you've got like a Canon camera with you. You want to shoot an interview. Well, there's you run it immediately to two problems. One of the problems, which is hilarious, is because of tax reasons with the EU, no handheld camera can shoot for more than 30 minutes continuously mm-hmm. right uh because if it could shoot for more than 30 minutes continuously it has to be classified as like a video production device which is a higher tax bracket which has a higher tax yeah. bracket so there's an artificial limit but one of the ways to get around this is with with, with a reference monitor which is this little monitor that you can bring with you to attach to the camera and the reference monitor can record for as long as you need it to um and you can do an interview interview that's Four hours long, you're still using your Canon camera, but the reference monitor is actually the thing that's doing the capture on the other end. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So, so here, this is just an example of like what is a sort of normal use case. But this is not what. That's not what this monitor does. Well, yeah, but I'm just like I'm building okay, this up cool. of like what cool, is the cool, concept cool. of mm-hmm. the thing, and the the reference monitor is doing two things. One, it's taking the hit of being in the tax bracket of an actual production machine that nobody in their right mind is buying this unless they have a specific professional use for it. Because they're like, oh, the, the do you mean the reference? The monitor? reference monitor. Yeah, because like, the, the Apple said they're like forty thousand dollars. Yeah. So so yeah, like if you want to buy a reference monitor for this kind of thing, like you're yeah, you're going to be spending a lot of money. Uh-huh. Uh, they're hugely variable in price. And I found out from uh, 
my friend Alex that like if you want to rent them, they're like a thousand dollars a day. Yeah. Or like a week or something. Yes. Like, but they're yeah. massively expensive. Yeah. And so the second thing that a reference monitor does is it is it is able to display the image in a bunch of ways that are useful to professionals. Okay. Um the briefest way I can explain this is you want to be able to have a video camera shoot in something that's close to like a raw mode for photography so that you can manipulate the colors as much as you want afterward. Mm -hmm. But the way that actually looks, if you look at the back of the, of the camera doing the capture is it doesn't look right. The colors look all wrong because it's just recording as much information as possible. So that signal is pumped into a reference monitor and the reference monitors whole job is to as accurately as possible represent the colors that you're actually going to see. It is trying to be your eye. Yeah, so it is It is like a replacement eye is a good way to think about it okay. because you have to put the camera in this funny mode. Okay. Um, but also because of that then, they are some of the highest quality screens that you can purchase on planet Earth. Okay. Because directors are looking at it for a concept of what are they shooting. And so that's oh, why, like, okay. I've price seen becomes no option. Like pictures of directors looking at these super right. weird monitors. Yeah. So if if you like if you, if you see behind the scenes of any and modern they look movie, like old CRTs. Yeah. It looks so strange. They look very strange. But you what you don't see for the last ten years is a director looking into a camera. Right. They'll usually have some setup with a bunch of screens that they're looking at. Those are all reference monitors, because what is being captured by the camera is not something that's really great for the human to look directly at and that's because they're they're capturing a version of the footage that can be easily edited and color corrected yes, right because it's trying correct. to capture as much information as possible yes. so looking at it with the eye is a nightmare yeah looking at looking at the image directly doesn't really help you but in order to be able to do that is also very computationally intensive at the time and then also just like you need the screen to look amazing because the director has to have the best sense of mm -hmm. what's going on um, but that is also why like price is no limit for these things because if you're shooting the next Star Wars movie like what do you care the cost of the thing that the director is looking yep. at it just doesn't matter um, but that's why Apple was pushing so hard that this screen I think they are genuinely marketing it as hey aren't you tired of looking at these garbage reference monitors in these weird setups why don't you buy five of these instead and look at these. I also think that's why the the stand that people are laughing at is like this ridiculous stand. One of its big features is this like ease of detachment and reattachment with the magnetic background, yeah. with the magnetic back. And I think that's exactly what they're going for there is like you're using this in a professional scenario where people are moving around, you're changing the set, you might want to have a bunch of different workstations set up. You've got five of these screens and when you move over here, just like boom, 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 click them in and you have a little station that's ready to go. Yeah, the reason people are making fun of the stand though is because it's $1,000 and you don't yeah. get one. Yeah, no, it, yeah. I, like, Which is insanity. It is, it is hilarious. <laughs> um, like, And the way it was... It it went by it was so funny. It was so like it went by so fast on the actual WWDC that I I missed it. Like it went uh, by yeah. so fast, I can't believe they even bothered to say it. Yeah, they wanted to say it so little. I don't know why they ever did. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why they bothered either. Like it was it was a terrible it was a terrible disaster on their part. But I think in the context of like who were they pushing this for, it actually kind of makes sense. Okay, but that's why I think. I can easily see Apple's interaction with the TV world 
they're looking at like, what are your problems? How can we build a machine that solves your problems? But it's also why I expect that the upgrade pricing on that Mac Pro is going to be insanity upgrade pricing because they're pitching it at companies that just simply don't care. Yeah, I cannot wait for the tool to come out where you can max out the cost. Oh my God, It's I the know. best thing ever to do. Like, I love it. Yeah. And it's, this one starts at like six grand and it has like a 256 gigabyte hard drive yeah. with oh, SSD. We did not talk about the matte display mm-hmm. though, which is kind of bonkers where they've etched glass yeah. to make it look like a matte effect. Yeah, it's, it's nano etching of the glass to scatter the light That's rays coming wild, in. wild, right? Yeah. Here's the, here's the thing, Mike. You know what's the problem with something like that? Uh-huh. As, I, as I look at it and I think, it raises expectations for something else. I'm, and I'm going to say, oh, I'm I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say something I that, I, that I know is not going to happen. But a- Apple, if you're listening, I know you like to raise the average selling price of your devices. <laughs> okay. $1,000 iPad. <laughs> right? so, and, and look, you've just introduced... A beautiful new dark mode. Mm-hmm. What's what, what is what is the one Achilles heel of dark mode is reflections. I will pay anything <laughs> for an iPhone and oh, an, an iP- iPad uh, okay, there we go. and an iPad with a nano etched screen. <laughs> but the problem is, what side is it etched? What do you mean? Because if it's etched on the side where you're rubbing your finger on it, is that going to feel weird? They can make it work. Oh, okay. <laughs> We won't worry about <laughs> like, that. Look, Apple, like, you know, I mean, despite the fact that they're very clear, like it's a total disaster to uh-huh. actually touch that nano edge screen and, you, oh, and really? you 100% shouldn't. Yeah. Really? I really want to touch it. Yeah. They're never putting those in the Apple store. Yeah. Uh, I did kind of imagine it's like, because it's like tiny, like you run your finger on it and so ah, I cut myself on my screen. It's nanoscale. <laughs> and, and I think, I think if I remember correctly from the diagram, there's a layer on top of the nano etching anyway. Okay. Um, but, okay. but yeah, it's like, all I was thinking of is like Apple. Apple, you can charge me anything for a matte screen on an iPhone and an iPad. Like that average, that average selling price, you can make it happen. <laughs> Na- nano, nano texture glass. How fun. All right, I want to know though. I mean, I know we're away away from this. It's coming like towards the end of the year. Do we read these products interest you? Like, do they feel like something that you would want? You use an iMac Pro, right? Yeah, I've got an iMac Pro right now. Um, it, I mean, and again, I know we're talking about a lot of this stuff, like that it is priced at a very specific type of user. Mm-hmm. But you are a specific type of user as well. Like, do, do these things intrigue you? I can say that the Mac Pro itself doesn't. For, really? For a couple of reasons. Like One of which is I do think that the price is going to be insane. And it's, it's interesting... Um, for what you would want. Yeah, but the interesting thing is the um, the base model machine as bench tested against an upgraded iMac Pro, which is what I have, uh, the upgraded iMac Pro will actually outperform the base model uh, Mac Pro. Why did you see that? Um, I've seen a couple of YouTubers run okay. the actual state. Like I've seen it from channels that I would trust on this kind of thing. Yep. But I could even believe, like let's say that they're slightly wrong, that the base model is only going to be like a marginal improvement Right, which for many thousands of dollars is not worth doing. Yeah, because it will go to twenty-eight cores. Yeah, which is just like, yeah, it's it's insane. All right, <laughs> do you want to work before I ask you? What do you want to do, computer? One point five terabytes of RAM. I know. Yeah, I cannot wait of... to see how much money 
1.5 terabytes of RAM yeah. costs. Um, I'm, I'm saying it now. I'm willing to bet. Oh, let's, let's play this game. I'm willing to bet that you could spec this machine up to 50 grand. I will say you could go over. Yeah. I reckon that you go over. You get like a few terabytes of, of storage mm-hmm. and 1.0 terabytes of RAM. Mm-hmm. Let's not include the display. Yeah, you know, yeah right? I'm just talking about the machine itself. I think you might be able to go over. Yeah, I, I would be. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. Yeah. But I, I feel like pretty confident in saying like you'll be able to spec this out to a fifty grand machine. <laughs> um, but again, that's why like like what we were saying before is like this is not a machine that is aimed at like individuals no. in any real way. No. Um, so I can say that the Mac Pro is like yeah sure. If if I had a spare fifty grand lying around that had to be spent on a Mac Pro, tax, like it's yeah, tax time, yeah it's, yeah, it's like a tax incentive <laughs> or something. Then, like, I wouldn't be sad to have one, right? Um, but I, I just, I cannot imagine justifying that machine for like the actual needs that I would have. Yeah. Now, the monitor, on the other hand, is very interesting to me. But um, what would you plug into it? This so can't possibly get into all of this mike but um i'm very interested to see what do they release as the actual things that that monitor plugs into because they've been super cagey about it and i've spoken to people who were on the inside trying to get more details and and like apple was officially very cagey about what is this going to plug into so the hope is this rumored 16 inch macbook pro which might come at some point people hoping before the end of the year is a candidate for you right like it's really cool macbook pro that can plug into this monitor and be very powerful so so like here's the thing that i've heard i haven't verified this so apple said it will plug into like the newest 15 inch Mm -hmm. um macbook but was not clear uh and what people weren't able to get an answer about is like do you mean the one that was just spec bumped or do you mean like the new mod like it pl- you know, there's no clarity on that. And it also, the monitor does not run at full resolution plugged into the laptop. Hmm. Um, but you would expect any pro laptop that comes out around the time or after this should be. Yeah, you would, you, w- you would hope that yeah. it should be able to run it at native resolution. The other thing that I would, it might be ridiculous, but I would love to know is, can the iMac Pro run it at full resolution? I could easily imagine not, but I'm just like, I'd be curious what to know. Mac Mini? I like can't, what, but like, I, what yeah. do you have to do to it? Like, will they will they make it possible for you to run even it? Uh, maybe not full, but like, how well could a Mac Mini do with it? Yeah, you know, it, that kind of stuff. yeah. I want to know like what are the actual results. My guess is that Apple itself right now doesn't exactly know what devices it's going to run at, and also that they're probably making calculations about what resolutions are they willing to accept on which which kind of devices and which ones are they just going to say no about. Um, but the additional complication is. Uh, I've moved out of my glass cube. I don't have that office anymore. Um, and when I when I return to London, I'm going to start a new an office Look, search. We've been through this before. Let's just build a building. Cortex, Cortex brand Cortex brand buildings. Yeah, which is <laughs> Look, me and you, we both need an office. Why are we messing around? We can talk about that later. But um I am going to be on a, a search for a new office and um, 
that is going to end up being like a whole rethink of like what machines do I want where mm-hmm. and also trying to think about like well what eventually does that monitor actually plug into so yeah. so I don't know the, the answer is if, if they come out and they're like oh the only thing that can actually run it really is the Mac Pro then like I'll just I'll just be a sad boy and use that garbage LG monitor oh yeah we could, yeah I feel like they should make another monitor I, I yeah I I really wish that they would make a smaller think, cheaper one I think they've gone a bit a bit uh, the Mac Pro I'm more willing to kind of just be like yeah, yeah Mac okay. Pro whatever yeah I think it makes sense as a product but considering Apple make multiple machines that can either use or require yeah a like monitor, the like the Mac Mini I I think that it wouldn't be terrible for them to be like here is a monitor that looks like this one yeah which is. 4K or 5K yeah. and is not intended to be a reference monitor used on film sets. Yeah. But it's I, just I, a yeah. nice monitor. Yeah. I can take HDR, not the super HDR. XDR. Right. XDR. Yeah, XDR. Extreme. Which, yeah. I kept saying to you during WWC, I was like, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> I don't like it's extreme. <laughs> di- it's more dynamic range than you can handle. Is yeah, what it is. But like, I'm, I was re- I was trying to think through like what I know about video encoding processes. I'm like, what do you mean? It's X like HDR. That's that's where it goes. Like that's that's the limit, right? Yeah. Like, you know, they're like, oh, we have we've got more than the limit. Like, I don't Highest know. Highest <laughs> dynamic range. Yeah, it's like okay, your million to one contrast ratio. That I fully understand. You can always do better in contrast ratios, but like, I don't understand what you mean by this super XDR. It's Pro crazy. Display XDR. Yeah, it's not even a good name. Like, yeah. it's a very strange. Name. Yeah, I, I wish that they made a 4K version of it. Like, if yeah. they made a 4K version that could, you know, run on a Mac Mini, it'd be like a no-brainer decision. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that like that that monitor gives me real pause i do really want it partly because i hate my lg so much but it is a product that for me is going to just very much depend on the particulars like and what it is, is yeah. catastrophically expensive yeah yeah i know like so to get the matte one with a stand is seven thousand dollars i know mike it's like it makes my heart still it's unbelievable <laughs> it's unbelievably expensive like the computer and the monitor start at the same price. I know, I know. <laughs> and that's before you. I think is that before you add on the stand. Yeah, no, they each they each start at six grand with a monitor that can connect to nothing, not even a Visa. Map. They, they each start at five. Oh, right, that's right. It's, it's six so it's, with the mat. It's five for the standard, six for the mat. Right. Then you add nine hundred dollars for a stand, or a thousand dollars for a stand, it's or like two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so, like, the, but this it's wild. It's a, it's a, that's a big old price. Yeah, that, but that's why, like, I'm convinced this is this is really aimed at super pros. That's mm-hmm. what it's for. That's why I, I don't really have any interest in it. I mean, I know that you're converting your whole work setup to be a, a iPad on an external screen with a keyboard. Uh, I don't so. think I don't think my lovely little iPad could, could power one of those bad boys. That would be amazing, though. Can you really- imagine? They're like the Mac Pro- Mac Mini can't, but the iPad can. <laughs> I would love. I would love that. I would love, especially if they could actually do the re- like. You can have your iPad at six K. <laughs> you just see in between the pixels. <laughs> that would be amazing. 